persecution, how the liberals are waging war upon Christianity by David Limbaugh. It's a very significant book. And I don't know much about the author, is he a Christian or not. But what he does, he systematically and methodically, he documents a will-orchestrated efforts, a will-orchestrated war against the name of God, Jehovah, and His Son, Jesus Christ. The writer documents how the courts, the media, Hollywood, the universities, the schools, and even the government cringe and recoil at the mention of the name of God. Just one example from the book. He said that before snack time in her kindergarten class in Saratoga Springs, New York, little Kyla Broadus held hands with two of her classmates and recited this prayer. God is good. God is great. Thank you, God, for my food. The alert teacher pounced on little Kyla, severely reprimanding her. And then she reported her to the administration. In short order, the headmaster sends a sternly worded letter to Kyla's parents, stating that Kyla is not allowed to pray in school aloud and with others. But that's not all. The school board then issued a triumphant press release, crowing about the victory over a kindergartner praying before snack time. And thus they declared that creeping theocracy in Saratoga Springs was stopped dead in its tracks. Kala's mother brought a lawsuit winning Kala's right to pray out aloud, but she was prohibited for holding hands with others while she prayed. But look at the irony in the New York school system. They can teach sex techniques to first graders, but the name of God is forbidden from being mentioned. I want you to just think of the irony here, the irony that you can blaspheme the name of God 24 hours a day, and it is totally acceptable in our society, but revering and respecting and honoring the name of Jehovah God is a crime in some areas. And of course, the rest of the book will literally make you weep for this great nation, where documentation after documentation from one end of the country to the other of what is happening to this great country. In fact, I just read this week, a friend of mine sent me an email from California telling me about an organization called the American Clergy Leadership Conference. And this American Clergy Leadership Conference is basically growing and exists for one purpose, and it is calling upon Christians to remove crosses from church buildings as a gesture of reconciliation. Why? They say because the cross is seen by some as a symbol of oppression and perceived superiority. That is the motto and the call of this group of clergy across the nation called the American Clergy Leadership Conference. I want to tell you something. If it doesn't drive you to your knees to pray for this country, I don't know what's going to. 
Now, I want you to compare this modern-day blasphemy, this modern-day commitment to stamping God out of public life, to stamping the name of God out, cussing the name of God, or not revering the name of God, or abusing and misusing the name of God with the way the people of old have felt about the name of God. I want you to compare that with the people of old. In fact, the book of Leviticus tells us in 23, 27, it says that the name of God was held so sacred that it was pronounced only once a year by the priest when he was giving the blessing of the great day of atonement. Israel came to value the name of God so much that when the scribes were copying the words of the Scripture, and when they come to the name Jehovah, they will stop, and then they will go, and they will bathe all over. And then they would come back, and they get a pen that has never been used, and they write the name Jehovah. To them, the name of Jehovah was so awesome. The name of Jehovah was so personal. The name of Jehovah was so covenantal. The name of Jehovah was so promise-keeping that they cannot misuse the name of the Lord. And that is why the third commandment is unlike the first two. The third one differs from the first two. Why? The first two says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other God besides me or before me. But then he comes into the third commandment and they switch from the first person into the third person. (laughs) The Word of God said, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Or another translation said, he will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Father, we pray today, give us a fresh revelation of what it means to take your name upon our lips. Give us a fresh revelation to never be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, for it is in that name I pray. Amen. Why does God switch from the first person in the first two commandments into the third person when it comes to the third commandment? There's something very significant here, very important reason. It's because God wants to draw attention to who He is. God wants to draw attention to His covenant name, Yahweh in Hebrew, or Jehovah as we translate it. This is the name that was revealed well before the wilderness time. This was the name that God gave Moses when he said to him, he said, Lord, when I go to the Israelites in Egypt, who can I tell them sent me? And the Lord said, send the Lord Jehovah, the God of your fathers. Yahweh. That word means I am who I am. Why? Why is that so important? It is very important because it reveals to us, it speaks to us about God's self-existence. It speaks to us about God's self-sufficiency. It speaks to us about God's self-reliance. It speaks to us about God's supreme sovereignty in the universe. Yahweh, the Lord, is more than just a name. It's more than just a name. His very identity is in that name. (laughs) You see, to us, names are labels. To us, names, something our parents have given us. But you see, to the Hebrews, names were not just labels. Names were not just uh, something to give to the children. They expressed inward identity of who they are or what the parents hope to be. They expressed the entire reputation of the person. They expressed 
who they are. I want to illustrate this to you. If I look at a person and says, you know, your face is familiar to me, what do I mean by that? Do I mean just that part above the neck? No. I mean the whole person. I am talking about everything that this person is. I'm talking about the totality of that person. And it's in the same way when you're talking about the name of God, you're talking about God, of who He is, His identity, His character, His personality. Why else do you think that these companies pay ridiculous amounts of money to superstars in order to have their faces and their names attached to their products. And then as soon as they fall from grace and mess up, they drop them like hot potato. Because everything that person is, is now identified with that product. God's name does not only represent His identity, but it represents His personality. It represents His character. I think most parents, and some of you who are expectant, probably going through it right now. They work hard. Most parents plan long time for a long time. As soon as they know they're pregnant, they get the books. They start talking. They talk to family members. What are we going to call the child? What are we going to call the child? What are we going to call the child? And then they come up and choose a name that has a nice ring to it. Then they choose a name maybe with some nostalgia to a favorite uncle or aunt or whatever. But in Bible times, they didn't do that. They never thought about it this way. In Bible times, they did not worry so much about sounding right names or good ring around it, you know. They just couldn't care less about that. That's why they named the kids Mephibosheth <laughs> and Goma and Ichabod and Lorahama and Loami. Look, I mean, this would be a child abuse in our modern day. <laughs> to name your kids that. But these names were given to children to indicate the direction of their life, who they are. Where do you think the people of God have learned this idea of naming the children in order to give them a meaning for, for, for their life and their identity and their personalities? They learned it from God. That's where they learned it from. Because God's name to them reveals who He is. Therefore, when they named their children, they named their children to reveal who they are. And they named their children to reveal what they hoped to be. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, okay, I understand that. But what, 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 what is so important about not misusing the name of the Lord that it has to come in the third commandment? Is that really so important? We know it's his identity. We know his character and his personality. Why is it so important? Listen to me carefully, please. I'm going to tell you why. Because the name of the Lord is holy. And to misuse his name is to desecrate why he's holy. The name of the Lord has power. And to misuse the name of the Lord is like a child playing with dynamite is going to explode in your face. Because the name of the Lord is worthy. And taking that name lightly means that you are saying, whether you mean it or you don't mean it, you are saying, God, you are worthless. That is why it's so important. Hear me right, please. The reason these modern forces of the media and Hollywood, and they're all trying to, making it sound hip and chic to curse the name of God. The reason for that is this not by accident. is because of the way they are trying to tarnish the reputation of God. That's why. Okay, some of you are probably asking, well, 
I don't misuse the name of God. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And since the Lord came into my life, I, I don't cuss and I don't swear. But how can a Christian misuse the name of the Lord? I have three reasons to let you think about this very, very carefully. Three things in which Christians sometimes use, misuse the name of the Lord. First is perjury. And I'm using the technical word for it. Secondly, intimidation. To use the name of the Lord to intimidate each other. And thirdly, casualness in the use of the name of the Lord. What do I mean by perjury? See, when someone takes an oath to tell the truth and then lies, that's perjury. That is taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's misusing the name of the Lord. You see, perjury has been taken lightly, particularly in our modern culture, after we had a president who perjured himself and got away with it. And we just think it's okay. We laugh about it, tell jokes about it. But that's a serious offense against the holy God, if it's not against the courts of law. There's another way that the Christians take the name of the Lord in vain. They misuse the name of the Lord. When a man and a woman stand before the altar of God, and then they vow before God, in the name of God, that they will love, honor, and live with each other until death do them part. And after all of the use of the name of God, then they walk out of the marriage at the drop of a hat. That's a misuse of the name of God. And God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain or misuses his name. But that's not all. You hear some people, and it's fashionable these days, they say, well, I am not really lying. I'm just not telling the truth. Now, we've heard that before. But look, I've got to confess to you, sometimes people think telling the truth meaning you tell everything you know. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about telling the truth under oath. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us the best example that I can come up with. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 63, verse 63 of Matthew 26, the high priest, here's what the high priest said to Jesus. He said, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now the cross is waiting for him. All he could have said, they said that about me. He could have kept his mouth shut. He knows that telling the truth under oath is going to take him to the cross. But here's what Jesus said. Yes, it is as you say. Knowing that his blazing integrity in declaring who he is would take him to the cross. If your life depends on it, Jesus is saying to us, tell the truth. But misuse the name of the Lord takes place not only by perjury, but secondly by among Christians in trying to intimidate each other. You say, how come? Well, by flippantly going around saying, God told me. God told me. Listen, when somebody starts saying, you know, you have a discussion, and somebody says, God told me, well, you know, you're going to argue with God. You're not arguing with the person. You're arguing with God. That's basically what the person is doing. He's misusing the name of the Lord in order to manipulate a person to do what they want him to do. So many people trivialize this thing about God told me, and it runs the gamut from the ridiculous to the sublime. 
I remember somebody was trying to pull this one on me and sat in my office many years ago and said, God told me. I said, wait a minute. You're either not telling me the truth or you're not worshiping the same God that I worship. Because what you're telling me God is telling you to do is totally inconsistent from the Scripture, from the Word of God, with the Word of God from beginning to end. Those of you who have been around me long enough, you know that probably no more than three or four times that I've ever felt the burden that God laying something on my heart. But I can tell you that, and many of my friends know that, that I did this with such fear and trepidation in my heart. I did this after days of praying and fasting and even sometimes up to months. I did this only after it was confirmed by the leadership. It's not flippantly saying, well, God told me this and God told me that. And when God tells you something that's inconsistent with the Word of God, you are saying that to yourself, not God. Don't blame God for that. There are some people who even try to manipulate others and they go further than that. They would say, God told me to tell you to do such and such. (laughs) Have you been there? I want to tell you something. I don't care if it's good or bad. If they say to you, God told me to tell you, just run. (laughs) Don't listen. Good or bad. Don't listen. You know, when someone tries to pull this one on me, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just spent several hours with the Lord this morning. He didn't tell me. (laughs) Why does he tell you and doesn't tell me? Not only perjury is a misuse of the name of the Lord, not only using the name of the Lord to intimidate people is a misuse of the name of the Lord, but thirdly, casualness in the use of the name of the Lord is a misuse of the name of the Lord. Lord Byron, who was an accomplished blasphemer himself, said about a friend, he said, he knew not what to say, so he swore. People use profanity as a crutch. And then they say, well, I didn't really mean that. Uh, I was just angry, and I didn't know what to say, so I just said this. I I, I certainly didn't mean to harm anybody. (laughs) Listen to me. To damn someone, listen, please. To damn someone in God's name is a terrible misuse of the name of God. Whether you claim that you meant it or you didn't mean it. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't say, "I I did not mean it. Those who damn their children, listen to me, those who damn their children are not only assaulting the name of God, they are putting a huge burden on their children. They are making a terrible mistake because they are making their children to be vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ said, you cannot misuse his name and get away with it. You cannot misuse the name of the Lord and be, not be held accountable for it. You cannot misuse the name of the Lord and, and take it lightly. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, some people use the name of the Lord for their own advantage. In fact, the Bible gives us a most incredible example of folks who try to use the name of Jesus to advance themselves not the gospel, not the name of Christ. I want to tell you all about it. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 19, beginning at verse 14. There was in Ephesus a man who was the chief priest of the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue in the city of Ephesus. This man's name was Sceva. He has seven sons. The Bible tells us he had seven sons. When Paul arrived in Ephesus, he began to preach the gospel 
in the power of the name of Jesus. He was healing the sick in the power of the name of Jesus. He was baptizing people in the name of Jesus. He was performing signs and wonders in the power of the name of Jesus. He was casting out demons in the power of the name of Jesus. And the Ephesians saw and experienced the power of the name of Jesus like very few cities around that time. And among those who were watching Paul from a distance, they were just watching him, were the seven sons of Sceva. And they were taking notice that he would say, in the name of Jesus, and things happen. And they said, man, this is a good deal. <laughs> this is easy. This can make a good business. This is good stuff. We can just mimic Paul and do exactly what Paul does and use the same words that Paul uses. And then we're going to have power. People are going to sit up and take notice of us. So what do they do? They go to cast out a demon from a demon possessed. And they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. (laughs) You see, the demons believe and tremble at the name of Jesus. But this demon-possessed guy (laughs) spoke. The demon spoke through the man whom he's possessing. And he said, now, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then he jumps on them and gives them the beating of their life. (laughs) And they, they run out in the streets, all their clothes torn. In fact, the Bible said they were naked and they were bleeding from head to toe. Taking the name of the Lord lightly is not a guiltless charge. And they learned the hard way that it's not mimicking others, but it is knowing who Jesus is. What happened after that, the Bible said that the name of Jesus was lifted high, and not only in Ephesus, but throughout the whole area, lifted in adoration and in honor. Why? Listen to me, beloved friends. Because there is power, most times incomprehensible power for the average Christian. There is power in the name of the Lord. And you cannot take it lightly or exploit it to your own advantage without a heavy consequence. Well, some of you are saying, okay, we understand that, but how do we properly use the name of the Lord? And he told us, What you don't do, but we want to know how to use the name of the Lord. Listen to me very carefully. Three things I'm going to tell you. First, you must recognize, and by that I don't mean intellectually pay assent to. I don't mean believe that somehow, yes. I don't mean, I'm talking about constant recognition. I'm talking about not just on Sundays. I'm talking about daily, moment by moment, every day. Recognize that incredible relationship that God has with you. You have to focus on that. You can't do that with two seconds and two minutes and run. You have to spend time to focus what it means for the God of the universe to reach down to you and say, I love you. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to know me. It's mind-boggling. The creator of the universe wants me to get to know him. When you come to him, he puts his arms around you and he gives you a bear hug and he says, you are my child. You have my name. You 
are my beloved. I have redeemed you. I desire to give you power that's in my name. But you see, you've got to know me. You've got to know me. You can't just use my name. To know God is to be overwhelmed with his grace, with his graciousness, with his overwhelming love, with his overwhelming desire of want to spend time with you and with me. That's a beginning. Secondly, recognize his presence all the time. Even non-believers would say, well, God is everywhere. Christians would say this, now, God is everywhere. Now, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking of you being conscious of the fact that he is there with you, wherever you may go, wherever you may be. He's with you. You know what? I'll make a confession to you. Every time that I've messed up in my life, it's either because I have ignored or have forgotten that God is with me at this very moment, wherever I was. He's with me in the car, which is where I need him the most. (laughs) I'm getting better. He's with me in the office. He's with me everywhere I go. He's with me when I travel. He's with me when I, everywhere I go. And I'll tell you something. When my children were young, those of you who, fathers who have young daughters, I know some of you are still terrified about them being, you know, dating and going out and all that stuff, but you stay on your knees. I encourage you to keep doing that. But when they were young and some of the church kids would come to our house and, and, and I would say things to them like, just remember, when you go out on a date, Jesus is sitting between you, in the car, in the movie, wherever you go, Jesus is between you. Many of them confessed later that it ruined their dates, and I loved it. Recognize that he is with you, watching you every moment of every day. The third thing I want to tell you is recognize the power of the tongue. If you have a problem praising the name of God, there is a problem in your life. And if you need help, get my book on Powered by Praise or I Praise Your God. That will help you along the way. But I'm talking about opening your lips and say, well, I praise God in my heart. I praise God privately. Yeah, baloney. Yeah. Look, if you praise Him in your heart, you also can praise Him with your lips. But if you're having a problem praising God, there's something wrong with your salvation, possibly. There's something wrong with your relationship with God, at least. So watch the power of the tongue. Because I want to confess to you, I want to tell you that the tongue that praises and blesses the name of the Lord all the time and continuously, the tongue that continuously honors the name of the Lord, the tongue that exalts the name of the Lord continuously, the tongue that glorifies the name of the Lord continuously, the tongue that elevates the name of the Lord high continuously, the tongue that treasures the name of the Lord continuously, the tongue that protects the reputation of the name of the Lord continuously is a tongue that invites the blessing of the Lord, not the misuse of the name of the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.